0: Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry.
1: Welcome back to another episode. Of giant cocktails i am your host ben henry alongside my brother and co-host the exuberant matthew henry how you doing matthew
0: oh i'm so good because i actually know this word <laughs> <laughs> and and exuberant is uh you know is a word that has been used to describe me so i'm i'm good with that i don't know if i'm exuberant now there's really a whole lot of reasons to be exuberant and unless you're like, you know, you like dr- signing injured pitchers or something. But, you know, um, <laughs> let's,
1: you know, let's ride this monkey. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's ride this monkey indeed. Um, hmm. Well, on that note, I've got a I've got a I've got a question for you. OK. Should the Giants sign or not sign one Brock Purdy as a starting pitcher.
0: Oh, absolutely. He fits their their MO. He fits their mold. He does. Right, yeah. Right. Oh, guy who's injured, has upside. Sign him to a two-year contract with an opt-out after one year. That's
1: right. (laughs) Of course, the whole first year he's going to be recovering from injury. I don't care. He needs the opt-out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're right. The the Giants do it no other way. Uh, He definitely needs the opt-out. Hoi. Oi, you know, it's a good thing I don't care about the 49ers, Matthew, because boy, what happened to them on Sunday was pretty brutal.
0: Oh, oh I, I'm just getting over it myself. Yeah. I had I had to switch to a stronger cocktail, like after the first <laughs> quarter. Like the the one I had started with just wasn't doing it. So, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. so actually that's where the that's where today's cocktail comes from, actually.
1: So, right, right. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. inspired by. It okay, was, yes. Okay. Well, I was following along on the internet. So I was off doing something more important. And um, you know, uh, but sometimes you got to ride the monkey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> listeners, Matthew just nearly spit his drink all over his microphone, and he's he still got it in there. I still got it in my mouth. I mean, okay, it's
0: oh. alright. I'm good. <laughs> Uh, uh, occupational hazard when you do a drinking podcast. You know, you're taking a sip yeah. and then you say something funny. And folks, you're going to hear about monkeys all, all through this one because right before we went on, Ben used the phrase mm-hmm. "Let's ride this monkey," and I've never heard that phrase before. And so, you know, we're we're definitely going to ride this monkey, folks. We're all riding this monkey together.
1: And uh, you
0: know, and the more drunk um, we get, the funnier it will get. I'm sure. So yeah,
1: I'm, I'm completely sober. I don't. I don't even know why that phrase came out of my mouth. But there it is. We're riding this monkey. That might even have to be the title.
0: I, I, I think it monkey. already is. Yes. Here's the title of the episode.
1: <laughs> now you know, folks, why it's called Let's Ride This Monkey. Well, let's see. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Today is Wednesday, February 1st, as we record this podcast. Uh, it is two weeks until Pitchers and Catchers Report.
0: It's a monumental day. We're We're within a fortnight.
1: Uh, that's that's right. I I don't. Is a Fortnite like twenty days, fourteen days? In my mind, it was two weeks. So that's where I was going with it. I don't know. Like <laughs> you're weeks. the you're okay. the vocabulary whiz. I don't I don't know. All right, all right. Uh, let's go with two weeks. Okay, that's fine. All yeah, right. Fortnite is as as everybody knows, Matthew. A Fortnite is two weeks. That's right, exactly. Um, and now, folks, if you need a source to confirm that, you can just refer to episode eighty-eight of Giant Cocktails. Fortnite is two weeks.
0: Quote unquote. Let's ride this monkey.
1: That's right. Let's ride this monkey. That's the that's the uh, example sentence. Let's ride this monkey. Uh, Use Fortnite in a sentence. Let's ride this monkey (laughs) for a Fortnite for a Fortnite. (laughs) Anyway, did the Giants do anything in the past week? They did. They did do something. Farhan's back off of vacation. And we know it was Farhan because he did another Farhan special
0: as as Farhan does yes
1: as as Farhan does and and they also filled a hole that we discussed last week or a potential hole they 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 signed somebody to a minor league contract that could potentially fill one of those holes
0: allegedly signed to a contract cuz we actually uh, allegedly seen it. Pen- pending yeah, a physical pending
1: physical yeah. pending physical. <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> That's right. Uh, and we, we may talk about that. That's that's We've got that pretty deep on our list because, folks, we got an action-packed episode today. I know you can hardly believe it because, like, this is the deepest, darkest part of the season now.
0: Yeah, which meant we actually had to put some thought into what we were going to talk about today. Like, there were actually, like, texts back and forth about, hey, what are we going to talk about this week? Here's some ideas. Like, that never happens. Right. So we usually just kind of sit down right before
1: and go, hey, what happened this week? Let's talk about it. Yeah. That's right. And I actually sent this text, which is really rare. Which shocked me. Shocker. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was days in advance, uh, and it's really bad because now the football season is over. I'm sorry if that's, it's if that's salt in the wounds of, of 49er fans. But there's really nothing nothing now for the next two weeks. Um. So 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 anyway, we're gonna try to fill that void. Um. And we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about um roster building in the new era of a third wild card. Uh, and also, we're going to talk about roster building in the new era of, uh, of the new major rule changes that are coming, some of which I am very excited about. And then we're going to talk about the signings uh, at the end, if we're sober enough and if we remember. Um, if we don't, you know, you guys know what you're in for. You're riding the monkey. You're riding the monkey. You know, what, you know what's up. That's Matthew, right. you have a quiz question for us.
0: I do. Here is today's quiz question. In 2012, which San Francisco Giant led the National League in triples? You know, in Giants land, we it, don't get too many players that lead the National League in anything. So I, it, I thought this was uh, appropriate to bring to the table today.
1: In 2012?
0: Yes. Which, you know, was a pretty good year for the Giants.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, one of the best. <laughs> Man. Pablo Sandoval. Man, you're not supposed to answer it now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I I wait, let me scroll down and look at the answer. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't Pablo Sandoval. No,
0: folks. no, I'll give you that. Not Pablo Sandoval. Mm, yeah.
1: But mm. but good guess, Ben. Good guess. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that is an interesting question. I mean, what a strange thing. Nobody really cares about the triple. I mean It's the most right? exciting. Exciting hit in baseball. It is very exciting, and it's always awesome when it happens. But nobody ever sits there and like goes, "Oh yeah, he's going to hit a triple." Let's hope. Let's say <laughs> he's going to do a triple. That's you, true. You know, you know, right? Right? When your team's down by a run, you never say triple. Yeah, but there's no other park
0: that has a part of their park named after the triple. Like oh, the Giants. That do.
1: is true. That is true. Hmm. Yeah. So I. I guess. Maybe this is
0: where that nickname came, nickname came from. I don't know, but but it's uh, from, it's it's from, from the, that season the, from two thousand twelve. Two
1: thousand
0: twelve. Hmm. Hmm. We'll have to do a little research uh, on that. Yeah. Maybe Bob yeah. can look that up for us. Right. I don't get paid enough for this.
1: <laughs> wow you don't get you don't get paid enough to just look up something on Baseball with Reference. Bob, Bob? what, what use are you then? You
0: know you can't even <laughs> help us out in that way. Fine, fine. I'll look it up later.
1: <laughs> uh <laughs> All right. Well, uh, uh, hey, since you're here, Bob, and since you are apparently on the clock, uh, why don't you ask Matthew the question? What
0: are you drinking, Matthew? Well, Bob, uh, this drink actually did come out of uh, 49ers uh, games. I, As you may or may not remember, I've been posting some 49ers themed cocktails uh, on game day for the last couple of weeks, uh, sadly, which will end um, now, but they're not in the playoffs anymore. But I had I had found this cocktail uh, that was didn't make the original cut. And uh, because it wasn't quite red, uh, 49er red enough for me, but it was quite a tasty cocktail. But what it does pack is quite a punch. And after the first quarter of last week's uh, uh, NFC Championship, I decided it was time to break out the big boys. So today I am bringing that cocktail to the show. It's called the Vieux Carré. And I try to say that in in a French accent, but it comes out sounding like Spanish every time. Uh, it's V-I-E-U-X-C-A-R-R-E, with an accent over the E. VUXCAR-E.
1: Yeah, I do don't know. For those of you who, it, it's VUXCAR. Eh. <laughs> 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 the E is not silent. Right. Okay. Okay.
0: All right. All right. So, It's, it's uh, vuxcar So, yeah. So, vuxcar cari. Yeah, I don't got how myself a Vux-car-y. That's what we're having today. vuxcar Anyway, the VUXCAR-E. Has a uh, three quarter ounce rye, and I am going uh, bottled and bond rye. Uh, and it, which uh, Ben and I actually recently learned is when you have bottled and bond, it means that it is a hundred proof rye. And I'm going with Rittenhouse today uh, bottled mm. and bond, hundred, hundred proof uh, rye. Uh, three quarter ounces of cognac. I will confess, I didn't have cognac, so I'm using a California brandy, but sue me, it's the same but- thing. Potato, tomato. That's right. And then three-quarter ounces of sweet vermouth. So if you notice, it's three-quarter ounces of each. And then two teaspoons of Benedictine liqueur. I did not have Benedictine on Sunday when I made this, so I did a quick Google search. Uh, When you're playing around with cocktails, you often like, I don't have this, but what could I use instead? And so I Googled it, and some the Googlers suggested Drambouille which I did have. So I substituted that originally, but yesterday I went and actually bought a bottle of Benedictine, which is a kind of honey and lots of herbs and spices liqueur, uh, probably made by some monks in some, you know in, in somewhere, I don't know. Uh, and uh, they do taste actually very similar, so you could get away with either. And then it's two dashes of Angostura bitters, two dashes of Peychaud's bitters. And you throw all those into a shaker with uh, ice and you shake it until well chilled and you double strain it into a rocks glass with maybe a big chunk of ice and you garnish it with it's I, I originally it, the recipe I wrote said a cherry but come on like mm. I'm not I'm not uh-uh. doing a cherry and you can't do an even amount of cherries so tonight I'm bringing three things. Fuck oh, three Lexardo gonna... cherries to the table. And the reason I can do that is because a while back I bought one of the big tubs of mm-hmm. of Luxardo cherries off of Costco. And because I have hundreds of them, I could just, I just use them like they're, they're going out of style. And uh, so I've got those and a little lemon twist as well in there as the garnish. And it is a very balanced drink. Uh, I was a little worried that it wasn't going to be sweet enough, but the sweet vermouth and the uh, Benedictine provide just enough sweetness to counteract the rye, which obviously packs quite a punch. And uh, with... All of that put together, it's a very balanced uh good tasting cocktail. So that's what I'm bringing today, Ben, a view, carré. A
1: view, carré. Well, that sounds like a tasty cocktail. Um I was going to say uh the uh, oh, the Rittenhouse Rye. Yeah, get that in your bar if it's not in your bar right now. Like keep this podcast on but go out there get in your car order an uber whatever it is you know nowadays like,
0: you can have stuff shipped right to your door you could have somebody go out and get it for you you know the that's, gig, right. The yeah. gig that's right the gig economy is right at your fingertips man
1: that's right that's right like if if your uh license is suspended and your uber account has been voided because your rating is too low uh then just have that drizzly door door dashed or whatever it is to your to your door immediately uh it is a must-have in the bar um that sounds actually like a very, a very lovely uh, cocktail. It's very adventurous. It's got Angostura and shots Yeah. Yeah. And I, when you said the odd number of cherries, I thought you were going to do it. I thought you were going to go to five. I really did. Oh, I feel like I missed an opportunity now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You probably did. You know, next you week did. I'm doing seven cherries, man. <laughs> it's just going to be cherries left and right.
1: Oh, no. I I, I think I've uh, I've started a war here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, that's a nice thing about being a Gen Xer. You can go to Costco, you can buy the giant-ass tub of Luxardo cherries, and you can eat as many as you want. I didn't even go to you Costco.
0: Know. I just I ordered it from
1: Amazon, and it shipped it right to my door. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, in your underwear in the dark. That's how we roll. Bob, hit me. What are you drinking, Ben? Well, thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. I, today, Bob, am drinking a cocktail known as the Jungle Bird the jungle bird i suppose i i suppose it is a tiki cocktail it is a tiki-esque cocktail it is a cocktail that calls for something called black strap rum what is black strap rum you might ask and folks just like everything else in the rum universe nobody really knows <laughs> it may refer to dark rum it may refer to molasses rum the rum that's made from molasses that had like every little bit of sweetness squeezed out of it it might just be overproof rum but the point is so i i went with a little bit in the middle but if you're just, if you're going to use like a gosling's dark or a cruising dark or uh, you know the kraken ones those would all be considered blackstrap rums uh, but some of those are dyed black so it, you know the it's not really clear the point is it should be a rum that packs a little bit of punch. So today, I am using my FTD 138 proof uh, uh, plantation rum, uh, and uh, so that is uh, the um, that is the main note in today's cocktail. And it is I have an ounce and a half of the overproof Jamaican rum, and the reason I actually chose this cocktail is because it calls for three quarters of an ounce of Campari. And uh, now that I have a bottle of Campari in my bar, uh, I'm trying to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Uh, And so I thought it would be apropos to make another cocktail using Campari. Uh, The nice thing about that is it adds quite a bit of uh, color to the cocktail. So this cocktail comes out as a very like deep kind of pink. Um, And then to that, you add an ounce and a half of pineapple juice, half an ounce of lime juice, and half an ounce of Demerara simple syrup. Uh, so this is simple syrup made from Demerara sugar, which is going to have, you know, a a deeper, uh, more caramelly flavor, uh, syrup. Um, but obviously it is in the, uh, the, the vein of, of the Caribbean flavors, um, or the tiki flavors. Um, and it really does make a difference in this cocktail. You would be fine if you just used regular simple syrup, but you know, take the time, put some effort in, you know get up off the couch and put those cherries down and put on some pants and and make some Demerara syrup. And then you put all those together, you shake them uh, till chilled, and then you strain over a rocks glass with, uh, with ice. And um, it is a very bright, refreshing kind of front flavoring, and then it has this kind of like bitter finish, but it's not off-putting right it, it's a very it's a very um, it's a very sweet and and bitter kind of combo it's like the the pineapple and the campari just kind of finishing off together the overproof rum is covered up quite a bit by this combo it might be the pineapple juice uh, but you could drink this one real fast so if you're looking for a cocktail that's going to get you lit and lickety split this does the trick there it is bob the jungle bird Let's ride this monkey. <laughs> yes.
0: Ride it. Ride it. I, you know, you talked about the black proof or the black strap rum. And I think that's just a clear example of why I am so confused by rum. Like like <laughs> I was just at the liquor store today and uh, and I was looking at the rum aisle and it was. It was definitely uh, a little intimidating how many different types of rums there are. And where I should start, and all that, and so I, um, yeah, I, I, so when yeah. you say something like black strap, that just kind of like takes me back there. We're like, I have no clue when it comes to the rum.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think you know a lot of cocktails have these rules and laws built around them, and and that actually makes them kind of much more approachable, right? Um, imagine if we considered tequila, tequila, and mezcal just kind of the same thing, right? That's kind of what's going on in the rum universe, right? There are differences. They do have these historical um, uh, roots in in what their names came from and that really had an impact on their flavors. But then you know over time they kind of got blended together and and then people started blending you know blending not just the the cocktails but the concepts sorry not just the rums but the concepts. And, and they just started calling things something because it was related to, but not exactly that same thing. And because there were no laws or treaties controlling these things, it just kind of got out of hand. And so, yes, you have a wide, wide mix of, of rums. And it can be a little daunting. What I've learned is that it's like anything else. You know, you, you just got to dive into it, grab a couple of bottles, taste them uh, appreciate their differences you know watch some youtube videos read some articles read some books and and then after a while it'll all start to like snap in like you know now when i go to the liquor store and i see all those rums it looks very different to me than it did when i started cuz when i started it was just a wall of confusion and now and now it's starting to look like little islands of of um that i recognize Surrounded by seas of confusion, right? There's still a lot up there that I don't really fully appreciate or understand, but I'm starting to see some 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 areas coalescing into you know into spots of things that I recognize, and and I definitely have some favorite rums, um, like the El Dorado Demerara Rum and the Propitas uh, White Blended Rum. So these are things that I did not could not have told you when I started on this tiki adventure, you know, six months ago. Yeah, or a little less than six months ago um you know so it takes time to figure these things out what else does it take time to figure out matthew see this is why we're brothers i was gonna say the same exact thing
0: uh (laughs) and we're trying to we're trying to answer this question Uh, yeah what takes a long time to figure out is roster building ben and and yeah one of these days farhan zaidi's gonna figure it out he's gonna figure it out i have faith in the man Okay, uh, but what, you know, what what you and I were talking about that's uh, we wanted to share with with our listeners was yeah, you know, we we were we were discussing the impact of the third wild card. And 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 if you go back in time and look at what you know, what traditionally it took to make the the the, the, the playoffs and and I say traditionally just meaning over the last like seven or eight years because uh even more than one wild card isn't more than 10 years old and so we've suddenly gone to three wild cards and so what I did just as an exercise as you and I were talking about this was to look back at the last 10 years uh and see wh- how many wins you would need to to for a third wild card and on average uh, for the third wild card in the American League, it was about 88 wins and the National League it was a little over 85 wins. and and so I'm not really sure why the difference, uh, mainly maybe because the American League teams were better I, I don't know, but uh, uh, then I went back and I looked at like what what would it take to win the second wild card over that same amount of time And I looked at that. and the American League it was almost 91 wins. So about three wins difference. And in the National League, it was about 89, which was about three and a half wins different. And so so then my mind starts going and I'm thinking, well, so you all have to win in the National League because the Giants National League you have to win three and a half less wins per year on average will get you into the playoffs versus uh, for, for three, three wild cards versus two. And so then I started thinking about, well, what is what is the monetary value of a win, right, on, on your payroll? And, and luckily for us, Fangraphs actually charts that with their wins above replacement. Uh, Fangraphs states that one win is worth about $9 million for a player, right? So if you got a player to replace a replacement player for, if you spent $27 million on a player, that would be th- worth three wins, Right, so thirty million dollars would get you roughly close to that three and a half wins that you would need—the difference between the second and third wild card. So, so in essence, owners are saving almost thirty million dollars a year with the same amount of chance to make the playoffs. So, really, this whole collective bargaining agreement where the players allowed the third wild card really does them a disservice because the owners aren't incentivized to spend to make the playoffs. They can actually spend on average 30 million dollars less and get the same results. And so that's kind of where like I feel like we're headed and where the Giants have maybe maybe have already kind of been there where they're feeling like they don't have to spend a lot of money to get to 80 uh, what is it uh now on average uh, 88 point nine or no yeah 80 oh, 85 wins i'm sorry 85 wins will get you on most of the time into the playoffs and so why would you spend three 30 million dollars more to get to 89 wins when all you need is 85 and uh so so that's kind of that was the starting point of this conversation for me was yeah the players screwed themselves and the and the owners are definitely can definitely take advantage of that
1: shocker Man. right I am totally shocked. Um you know, r- remember that time that the uh the 2023 Baltimore Orioles won 85 games and ended up winning the World Series? What a great team that was. <laughs> I mean, I oh boy. I, I, I Wow, when you put it that way, Matthew, this just this just makes me, you know, even more irritated. Um, you know, it, I mean, it, it does beg the question what's the point of trying to build a great team if you know that you can make it into the playoffs with 85 wins and, and get more revenue from that, right? Because that's more playoff games. That's right. more, uh, you know, more, um, more revenue for the te- Major League Baseball overall, you know, maybe not each individual team is necessarily going to see that, but um, although I don't know, how does... With TV contracts
0: does... and all that? Yeah, I think that they all see that. It gets evenly spread out, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. And and that's not even the worst of it. I mean, yeah, 85 is the average.
0: Uh, there was one season in the last 10 years. Uh, in 2017, if there had been three wild cards, an 80-win team in the American League would have made the playoffs. So that's sub-500 making the playoffs. Oh. And that will happen again.
1: Oh, my God. Um, wow. OK, well, I mean, that's that's very troubling. And if that's what the Giants are trying to do, I hate it. I hate it because at the end of the day, you know, I'm not here to watch my team play in October. Right. Yes, that's what I want. Yes, I want that to be the ultimate goal. But that's not the only reason I'm here. Like, one of the things that I hated about the 2022 San Francisco Giants was how atrocious they were on the field. It was embarrassing to watch that team play defense sometimes. And and if that's going to be how some of these teams are going to be constructed, they're going to play mediocre baseball for uh, for 162 games and then just hope they they can ride the monkey to victory is just, I mean... You know, I, I, is that ultimately what fans want? And I, I don't know that it is. Like, I don't know that we all want to watch a bunch of mediocre baseball teams stumble around the field, uh, for 162 games and, and, and then just have it be a total crapshoot when it comes to the postseason.
0: Well, I, th- I think you just said the, the big reason why it's, it's painful is 162 games is, uh, is, is a lot of games to sit through mediocrity I mean the NFL you know and now they're at a, nine, a 17 game season so nine and eight maybe will make the playoffs I you know a nine and seven used to make the playoffs a lot in the 16 game season so I'm assuming a nine and eight will get you in a lot of times uh and possibly run the table right and so but you can kind of stomach that because it's only 17 games but when you got 162 games and you're watching a 500 team uh as we saw last year, Right. It, it didn't exactly inspire a lot of like motivated fans. Right. And so, so I, yeah, you're right. I mean, the ultimate goal is to win a world series and this is certainly gaming the system a little bit to do that. Uh, but ultimately, I think you're a business that wants to draw in fans and and watching a mediocre product uh, for most of the season only to sneak in at the end doesn't – I don't think really lends itself to that kind of well, business model. I mean that's
1: an interesting point, right? Because that is what's going to happen, right? Like you would have a bunch of teams um, – a, a bunch of teams – sorry – technical difficulties, uh, you would have a bunch of teams all playing mediocre baseball and and, and nobody's really going to know, is this team good or is it not? Is this a team I want to get behind in May or June or July or do I just kind of want to wait until late August and September when things get interesting and then the games are more exciting because there's less of them and maybe my team will make it and maybe they won't and really I only have to pay attention then anyways because everybody's in it, right? Because every team's the same. Um, and, and if that does lead to lower attendance, I I think some teams will figure that out and they'll realize that they have to build better teams to attract fans and they'll want to create teams that are better. I mean, never mind the argument that a better team in, you know, over the course of 162 games should be better in October, although we all know that it may not be. And that's kind of the other question that I have, which is, which is kind of why I brought this up, you know, during the week is like. If it's this easy to make the playoffs, if you can make the playoffs with 85 wins, why are teams like the Mets and the Padres still trying to build these monster rosters like days of old um, and and doing it now, right? I mean, they're already in this universe where the third wild, ex- wild card exists. And yet they just spent the current offseason... Um, building good lineups into fantastic lineups. Um, underneath it, like, you know, they're going all in, they're trying to win the World Series. Well, like, if all you have to do is show up to get, win the third wild card, and like, what is the point of building these monster rosters? Is the third wild card really that dangerous and you want to avoid it? Is a great lineup really that good at guaranteeing that you'll go deep into October? Uh, I don't necessarily think that it is. So, so why nope. are the Mets and the Padres doing what they're doing?
0: I, I, I've thought about this, and, and I have uh, an answer for you. Okay. They're stupid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that Farhan really is the smartest man in the room? <laughs>
0: He is he's I mean he's clearly taking advantage of the market in a way that I mean, and not that they wanted to this year. i they were willing to spend yeah. some money, you know. We clearly know that, but they didn't. And so he's pivoting over to his, you know, the other ways of of building a roster where he can get to 85 wins, yeah, you know, and and get into the playoffs. And you know, to the Giants uh current roster is probably an 85, 86 win team. Yeah. And you know, so I, yeah, I mean he's going to
1: spend. I think they're eighty-four 80, wins, but yeah. Mm-hmm. 80, okay,
0: all right. Uh, well, we'll revisit that right before the season starts and uh, see if your your prediction is still the same. But I I think, I think uh, they're banking on it being eighty-five wins, eighty-six wins, and yeah, he's doing it for you know tens of millions of dollars less, maybe even a hundred million dollars less on the Mets case, and so. Yeah, he he is the smart guy in this case, because I, you know, I to get there's no there is no I mean, there's some advantage, obviously, to being the number one seed, you get to buy, you get all that sort of but but all that talent and all that money doesn't guarantee a number one seed either. Right. So, so uh, I think all things being equal, the owners don't the GMs. There's no incentive to go all in. Right. Yeah. You could you could you could ride this out, just tinker at the edges like the Giants do and get into the playoffs. And that's what the Giants are doing right. right now.
1: Well, and I think the premium that it I mean, that it sets is is, you know, as you mentioned, because it's cheaper to get into the playoffs, a lot of that means all teams have to spend less, which is going to depress salaries because they're not going to try as hard to get the top players, you know, in theory. Right, it's, it's not what we saw in this last offseason. season. And our team was driving a lot of those prices up, right? Like, I'm not saying, like, again, I, I know that, that, that the Giants really tried hard to sign guys and didn't. I'm mad because they didn't. You know, I'm also mad because the, the minor leagues hasn't progressed as, as well as it sh- as it should have. But, um, but it was also the Giants that were driving up those prices. So, I, I mean, I, I think, I think the, the overall impact here is, is that the overall cost of of players should go down. But because the playoffs, because anybody can make the playoffs, I do think that the one thing that is a premium is uh is still is starting pitching. And I think, you know, starting pitching is 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 going to be that one thing that you need, because I really do believe, especially if you're the third wild card. A good one-two starting rotate, starting pitchers, a one-two punch at the beginning, at the top of your rotation, becomes critical, right? Because that's what's going to get you past that very dangerous early round, and and then give you a chance to go to a longer series where you know anything can happen. And and so I do think that while we're going to see a reduction in overall salaries overall, I think the starting pitcher like the one the one and number two guys are going to become much, much more valuable as this third wild card plays itself out over the next few seasons.
0: So the number one or two guys are not like the seventh, eighth or ninth guy. Because, you know, that's what the Giants have done this offseason is we got
1: seven, eight, nine starting pitchers right now. Uh, yeah. No, I think the Giants are going to regret not having a Carlos Rodon if they do get to 85 wins and sneak in for that third, um, for that third wild card Because, you know, they're going to have Logan Webb and then they're going to have who knows him. Well, according to, to fan graphs, uh, and the steamer projections, Alex Cobb is going to be our guy. It's going to be the Logan Webb and Alex Cobb one-two punch. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, Fangraphs also likes Kyle Harrison, and so
1: who isn't even on the forty man right well, now? Well, they do, but they're projecting he's going to play less games, so his impact is going to be lower. So yes, and and Kyle, yeah, I mean maybe that's you know who knows, right? I mean Farhan might be the smartest man in the room, and that might be what he's thinking. He's thinking, all I need is 85 wins and Kyle Harrison and Logan Webb. And I'm going to be holding a trophy. And Ben's going to have to, you know, eat a lot of crow. And I'll eat it all day long, Matthew. I will eat it all day long.
0: <laughs> Mix it in with a little Campari. Oh, yeah. It'll be fine.
1: God, I will ride that monkey. <laughs> ride it, Ben. Will, ride it. I will ride that monkey until, until it, its blisters get too painful to run anymore. That's how much crow I'm gonna eat. All right. Well, I hope. I hope that day
0: comes. Mm. I'm looking forward to that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh well, well I already see the title. Yeah. Ben Ben is riding that monkey. No, but we already done that one. Ben is eating that crow. Yeah,
1: folks, folks, I, I promise that no monkeys or crow will be hurt in the making of this uh, crow eating uh episode.
0: That's a good call. We need to we need to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. We don't need we don't need PETA knocking. <laughs> That's, <around the> <laughs> That's right.
1: That's right. Uh I fully believe that all crows should have the right to vote. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Matthew, you know, you know, it, it, the the third wild card is not the only thing that is impacting roster building this year. Uh, and it's not the only thing that the Giants have to worry about. In terms right. of, you know, the roster, because as we talked about at the beginning of the show, there are some significant rules changes coming, one of which I am so excited about. I'm like, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so psyched to see this happen because I think it's just going to have such a positive impact on the game. It's just going to make the game so much better. Um, and I don't know how much that's going to impact the Giants or anybody. And I really don't care because I think it's just good for Major League Baseball. Um, but it is a good question of how it's going to impact roster building as we move forward. Um, but of course we're talking about the rules changes and specifically the one that I'm most excited about is the pitch clock. And. I mean, I don't do you how do you think the pitch clock? Do you think the pitch clock is impacting roster building? Do you think it's going to impact roster building? I I think. Yes,
0: I. I so the pitch clock is going to be a big change, I think, for a lot of pitchers. Uh, the Giants actually have some guys on their team that are pretty quick workers like Alex, Alex Wood. Right. Yeah. Uh, for for one is, you know, get the ball pitch. You know, so those kind of guys are not going to be impacted by it. But there will be some, the one that kind of, and this is probably not the most obvious, but someone like Camilo Duvall, mm. uh, I think is, uh, might be affected by this. Uh, you know, someone who throws hard, takes a lot of time in between pitches. Uh, you know, we we know from the minor leagues that a velocity is down. Yep when when guys have to pitch quicker and and so someone like Camilo Duvall could be impacted by by these new rules uh i also feel like you know fatigue will set in quicker uh with our starting pitchers mm. uh and so maybe that's where the giants are now loading up on some of these longer inning guys to God, maybe, maybe Farhan is the smartest guy, Ben. Like, I, now that I'm thinking about this, like, I, maybe that he's already thinking about, you know, we're already talking about so many starting pitchers, so many starting pitchers, and he's thinking fast pitch clock, guys getting tired earlier, we need guys to eat more innings, so we need more beginning guys. And the Giants have certainly built that up over this offseason. So, yeah, I think that's how the roster is kind of playing out right now, and ooh, that's interesting. It wouldn't surprise me to see if that 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 kind of shows its head with with this new rule.
1: Yeah, I am a little bit worried about Camilo. I I, I do you know I I think Velocity is going to be down across the across the board though, and I think it's really good that he added that that the third pitch. Yeah, um, especially one that he feels more comfortable throwing strikes with, um, because you, you know what's going to happen is if he's if he's if he's losing velocity and he's not sure where that ball's going and who knows if his control's going get to be- get better as he's more fatigued. Um, whether he's just going to go to that slider all the time and then just become super predictable. Um, mm. because he does throw the slider because he's confident that he can throw it for a strike, right? That, that, that right. very dangerous, yeah. very scary fastball. He doesn't like it because he can't throw it for a strike consistently. And so I think he shies away from it. But now that he's got the, um, the, the cutter, I, I think, um, I think that's a pitch that he can control a little bit better. And so I'm not so worried about it um, from, from Duval, especially since, you know, yeah, he'll probably get hit around some, a little bit more. But so will everybody. Right. right. We're just going to see more hits. Right. We're going to see more balls in play, folks. Um, and that just means our pitchers inherently are going to be worse. But wow, what you just said about about the starting pitching is really interesting because. Because one way that I was thinking about this, because one of the problems that I have with these pitchers is that they don't have options. Right. They all have to be on the 26 man. Right. Well, maybe that's the intent. Like maybe they're thinking these guys are going to be swing men or, you know, yeah, they're going to swing men. Like maybe the swing man comes back.
0: You know, right. and, and because maybe that's what they're looking at with this new rule right. and that they're going to need that more. And and I've seen some talk around around baseball, well, around the Giants land, around there being a six man rotation, for example. Uh, and I guess that's still you know, a possibility. But where I see it mostly is, yeah, is is having guys that can eat up innings in the bullpen right. uh, when guys are fatigued because of this pitch count. Right. Thing.
1: And for those of you who are not old enough to have ever seen a swingman. A swingman is the long man in your bullpen. He's, he's the guy who, who comes in and pitches five innings in relief or four innings in relief, but he also makes spot starts, right? We're really used to that spot start guy coming up from the minor leagues, but that guy used to be in, on the roster, right? He used to be in the bullpen and he would not, he, you didn't have a six man rotation per se, but you had a guy who could start, but he was always on the roster. And and he would do starts, and then he would also come in, and he would come in in the third inning, you know, if somebody got shelled. Uh, he would come in in the third inning and pitch four innings, right? Um, and that's why he was called a swingman, because he swung back and forth between starting and relief. And it is perhaps the possibility that the Giants are thinking that they will need that, right? So not going with a six-man rotation, but instead going with a rotation that has maybe one or even two swingmen, which our roster might need because we got a bunch of guys who can barely throw five innings and now they're going to be working harder. Uh, Well,
0: and and the pitch clock isn't the only thing that's going to affect that. Uh, You know, the banning of the shift Right. for example could also be something that extends innings and you know creates more offense and and kind of depresses pitchers effectiveness and so you know last year the giants were one of the tops in the league at positioning their players in the shift and they won't have that option anymore and so i you know maybe that's another reason why you've got guys ready to go in long relief uh, that can pitch multiple innings is you know to make up for that that particular effort you know when guys are throwing extra pitches because they can't get him out uh, uh, without a shift, then you've got to kind of go back to old school baseball where yeah. you've got this swing guy again. Yeah.
1: I, you know, yeah, we're going to see a lot of tyro dives for balls that are going to get by him. <laughs> um, I think, I, I mean, I, Brandon is old, right? But I, but I hope that, you know, his value is, is more obvious this year, you know, knock on yeah. wood that he stays healthy. Um, and, you know, on the flip side, and again, right? Like maybe this is Farhan being the smartest man in the room, right? On the flip side, this is going to be really good, I think, for for Peterson, for Yastrzemski, and I think for Joey Bart. Um, you know, like I think the absence of the shift is is just going to be, um, you know, that much more powerful. I mean, obviously less for Bart than the other two guys, but. You know, it, it um, it's going to be that much more powerful of an impact on these players who the shift had just been kind of eating alive. Um, I but anyway, you know, I mean, I so I do I do think maybe you're right. I mean, maybe that's what's been going on, right? And maybe that's why you know maybe that's why you and I are sitting in our closet and Farhan's getting paid millions of dollars uh, to do this stuff. And uh, you know, who knows? You know, m- maybe uh, I should start developing a taste for crow. Um. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know the, the,
0: go ahead. I'm I'm curious. Well, so the the, the other rule change is the bigger bases. Uh, I I think that that's kind of probably the least impactful on on the new rules. Uh, allegedly, it was you know I guess for player safety, so you're not having you know two guys step on the base at once. I don't know how often we saw that to be honest, but occasionally. Uh, but what it does, what well, yeah, we saw it occasionally. But what it, what it does do is shrink. The distance between first and second base, uh, and third and, and second and third for that matter, by by about six inches. And you know, we how many bang bang plays have we seen in our lives where you know a guy's been out by less than six inches? So I wonder. <laughs> see, here I am like every now and then I catch myself being optimistic, and then I hear your voice and it kind of makes me laugh. <laughs> and this is one of those times. <laughs> Like, I was like, I wonder how often the Giants are going to run uh, and take advantage of this. And the only guy they have on their entire roster that could possibly do that is, maybe what, Tyro Estrada? Like, I I mean, there's nobody else that's going to be stealing bases on the Giants team. I mean, they, they didn't get more athletic like, you know, they wanted to. I, I just—so forget. Forget it. I don't know what I'm thinking. I mean, but the Giants will see a lot of players—other uh, teams running on them, I'm sure.
1: Yes. Yes, they will. Um, Yes, they will. I, I I'm sure Blake Sable is going to throw out a lot of guys— <laughs> hey, we, um, we, 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 we have our
0: next segment might address some of this.
1: <laughs> That's true. You know, I mean, Joey Bart is a, is a good throwing catcher. Uh you know, he's, I don't know that he's quite Buster Posey level, but, um, but, uh, you know, yes, stealing bases is going to become more of a thing. I, I hear Willie Mays Hayes is really excited about this and, um, you know, good old Wesley Snipes. Um, uh, hey,
0: you know, hey, runs like Mays hits, you know, or it runs like, hits like Mays runs like Hayes, right? That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, those of you who don't know who Bob Hayes is, look him up.
1: Yeah, you know Also, major up, major look. league baseball, major league uh, ma- the movie, major the league. movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, well, I mean, and and I will say this though, like it is interesting. I I wonder suddenly now, like if this epiphany is true, like like we are going to see a lot of these guys in the starting lineup, starting rotation, rather. Sorry, starting roster. What am I trying to say? Oh, wow. I don't know. You The Rums the, hitting The Jungle, me. The, the jungle Bird now, just yeah. hit me. That it just <laughs> it just hit me. And <laughs> you're no longer to ride the monkey. No, like the monkey is now riding, now riding me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The monkey is now riding me. Uh, See, it's so
0: hard to do a quality <laughs> podcast when you're drunk, guys. I hope you guys, you listeners realize the challenges that we have to try and send we, quality content to you. We we
1: we work really hard at trying to figure out how not to screw up the second half of this show. And we know <laughs> we know what the problem is. But at the same time, that's the show. <laughs> you know, I mean yeah. And really that's the reason
0: we're doing this, right? It's the reason to sit back and drink and talk about the Giants. So you get what you get.
1: That's right. Because when we originally started this, we thought we were going to have one listener every week, and it was going to be our mom. Uh, <laughs> hey, mom. Hi, mother. Uh, yeah, but anyway, I you know, regardless of how this impacts the rosters, I am really excited about these rules. Except for the bigger bases, I, I couldn't care about that. But uh, I'm really excited about the the shift, the anti-shift rule, and and the pitch clock. I think the pitch clock is going to have such a positive effect on the game that people are going to wonder why it took us so long to do it. It's going to make games more exciting. We're going to see more action and they're going to be shorter. Right? I know that seems and, and like that seems like a, uh, like like impossible that we're going to see more action more balls in play more running uh, more plays at the plate more plays at the bases and the games are going to be shorter. But that's what they've been seeing in the minor leagues. And I just hope that it gets enforced aggressively, you know, that it gets enforced aggressively. And yes, early in the season, we're going to see a bunch of veteran batters getting really upset that they can't, you know, spit and grab their crotch, you know, every five seconds. But guys, you know, you can do that in the shower. Okay. Well,
0: you're also going to see a lot of pitchers getting frustrated because they can't walk around the mound and take a deep breath and do all that sort of
1: stuff. That's That's fair. That's fair. Yes, I, th- I think you're going to see both of that. But uh, also, uh, who knows? Maybe the pitcher and the batter will both look at each other and they'll both agree to break the rules together so that they simultaneously <laughs> violate the rule. But but maybe they have a mechanism built in to prevent that. So, like, you know, maybe... I think it is true. I think the clock is different for the two, and so one of them has to be there first. And if he's there, then he's fine, and then the other guy is is, is liable to, to break the rules. So, so, you know... Um, Anyway, I'm really excited to see how these play out, um, especially um, – uh, I don't know. I was going to try to segue, but
0: – Especially the fact that we'll have maybe a new, catch- new catcher.
1: Yeah, Roberto. Yes.
0: Yeah, so the Giants signed uh, – allegedly signed because it has not been made official. Have agreed to terms with, pending physical. Yes. Exactly. Uh, you know, all we're hearing is from writers. So we haven't heard this originally, but they signed a potentially catcher for uh, named Roberto Perez. And Roberto Perez would, is a uh, two-time Gold Glove winner, uh, defensive catcher. Uh, uh, the, the only the, the, the big caveat with him is that he can't hit him hit out of a paper bag. So, you know, uh, he, he is not riding the hit monkey. He is Solely a defensive catcher. Are you saying uh, he he's did have one season in the bag? <laughs> fully in the bag at times, yes. And, oh, okay. and and uh, he did have one season where he hit twenty four home runs, and uh, but that was clearly the outlier. Uh, he's a lifetime like two hundred six hitter, just above the Mendoza line. Yeah, just think of Bob Bob Euchre without the humor. Uh, but but we hear that he's a good leader. Good good. Uh, those of you who don't know who Bob Euchre is, look him up. A Lifetime two hundred hitter, I think as well.
1: Also uh, sitcom actor,
0: yes and and longtime announcer for the Milwaukee Brewers. that too uh, but anyway, uh, so you know, we finally kind of have addressed the uh, catching uh, position. We have another person uh that will provide some depth during spring training and battled out with Austin wins for the backup role.
1: yeah. so when we have uh, to send Blake back because he's no good and Joey gets hurt, we have Perez and wins.
0: Yes. And I'm not saying that we're going to send Blake Sable back cuz he's no good. I, I think we're going to send Blake Sable back because we just don't have a spot for him. And
1: well you need and, two catchers, right? Isn't he just going to be our second well, catcher? Well,
0: yeah, I just I don't buy this catcher thing. I don't he's an outfielder. <laughs> he's an outfielder. And we got too many outfielders. So I I just don't don't see yeah. him. Yeah. Are you th- Okay, I, I,
1: I okay. So so let's just stick with this then. Are you saying that the plan with Sable and Bart is that Bart plays Every day, every, every day? No. What I'm saying is that Blake
0: Sable will not make the opening day roster and instead it will be uh, Austin Wins or now Roberto Perez. Right.
1: This was just a flyer all along. This was never the plan. It's going to be. Unless, unless he
0: hits like 400 with an on base of, you know, 380, you know, in, in, uh. I guess it'd have to be the other way around. But anyway, he, he's he got... Unless he, he, hits, he hits like crazy in spring, I just don't see a spot for him on this roster. And I don't really understand why the Giants even traded for him when they know they don't have a spot for him on this roster. Particularly when they actually chose... Him over Austin wins, right? I mean, because they had to make a spot open on the forty man, and Sable stayed, and Austin wins was actually uh, DFA'd, cleared waivers, and then was signed back to a minor league contract. Uh, they, they that was a risk they took because they didn't have anybody else at the time, and so they really needed Austin wins to come back. Catcher will be interesting, I guess to say the least, right? We're gonna that's one of the one position that we're kind of like still, mm-hmm. you know, kind of questioning as we go into spring training, and uh, that will be one of the few roster spots i think available as you know that second catcher position as we head into spring training
1: wow we haven't been here since before molina
0: that's right
1: that's right and and so uh
0: so the giants added another uh another uh player this week uh pitcher joe ross You mean
1: brock purdy
0: same difference. Yes.
1: Uh, Neither one of them is going to pitch for the Giants next year, right? Exactly.
0: Yes. Well, <laughs> well Joe Ross, uh you know, was um a he was a top 100 prospect at one point. Uh he was really high in the draft pick. I can't remember like might have even been number in the top 5, number 1. I don't remember, but he was uh at one point one of the top prospects in the game. He was traded uh by the Padres to the Nationals for Trey Turner. Oh wow. In in that, right? And uh had a very good rookie season and then got injured. Oh. And then opted out of 2020 and then got injured again. He just had his second Tommy John surgery uh this last year. Uh he will not be ready to pitch until July, maybe August, uh, if at all this this year. And uh so it's just the Giants are, you know, Farhan being Farhan, right? He's he's hey, here's a guy that could be good in a year. Let's uh, let's sign him now, and uh, let's just wait and see. And so, when we complain about the Giants not spending money and all that, this is where they're spending it. They're speculating. They're throwing. You know, they're they're rolling the dice. They're they're playing Vegas a little bit here. And uh, you know, who knows whether it'll pay off? But they've done this already. They've done it with Brebia. Uh, they did it with Luke Jackson, who won't start the season this year with, in the bullpen, but uh, could be a a solid contributor by maybe mid year. Um, so they just kind of kind of go for these guys that uh, have high upside, uh, but uh, maybe are on the, the the cheap because they've been injured. And yeah, so Brock Purdy and Joe Ross could be the same in the, one and the same, I guess. Wow.
1: So Joe Ross in twenty twenty eight sorry twenty twenty one appeared in twenty games uh his era plus was 97 he hasn't had any positive era plus season since 2016 when he was 23 years old uh if he is out this year which is 2023 he will be 31 in 2024 when he appears for the san francisco giants exciting exciting signing i'm so jazzed this is this is a brilliant this is this is amazing (laughs) I'm gonna go. Go, out, I'm, go I'm gonna, out and buy your Joe Ross jersey. I'm gonna go run around and, the block shouting out Joe Ross right now. <laughs> my apologies to my neighbors. If any of you listen to this podcast, um, I'm not actually gonna do that. But, uh, uh yeah, cool. Wow, good for Joe. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's something to talk about in the the dearth of the off season. It, it, I guess it, it, yeah, it's there's... something
1: to talk about in what is the equivalent of 4 a.m. of the off season correct that is true that is true uh well matthew it's about that time and i'm about to start drinking my second cocktail and uh if we allow that to happen while we're still recording
0: this could get ugly
1: it could get ugly and i know all the listeners are like let it happen let it happen <laughs> let, it, happen. let it ride that monkey it ride that monkey <laughs> But, folks, I think it's time to get off this monkey's back. So, Matthew, we need to know. We've all been waiting. Who hit all those triples?
0: That's right. Our trivia question. As we know, it was not
1: Pablo Sandoval. I thought that was real. Uh, I know that Pablo did hit some.
0: Because because he put them
1: into said triples alley. So, like, I I'm pretty sure I remember Dave Fleming getting really excited.
0: He, I'm sure he's hit more than one triple. Let's let's look let's look and see what he's like, uh, Pablo he's like, That's did. That's all the way in the triples Ali! The most triples that Pablo Sandoval has hit in a season was five in his first full season in the majors with the Giants. Five and um, yep. Five.
1: That must have been but before everybody three. started giving the hard t- the guy a hard time about um, about how many uh, how many must chicken, been. chicken wings must have been
0: getting. because then it was three three two two three one uh, and then yeah and then only one other in his entire career after that so wait okay so. so. Pablo Sandoval has hit 21 triples in his and career. And he
1: hit at least one triple for six consecutive seasons. Did you, did you, was that six yes, or seven one, seasons? One, two,
0: three, four, five, six, seven. Eight consecutive seasons, he hit at least one triple. You know
1: what? To all those people who said Pablo was too fat, F you. How many triples <laughs> did you hit in the major leagues? Zero. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you. So, you know, so Pablo hit 21 in his career, which was. Uh, I'm terrible at math. Um, there's, there's actually 33% more. I'm going to say my fingers crossed, uh, of what Angel Pagan hit in 2012. Oh, actually I thought Angel Pagan hit 14. He hit 15 triples. It would have been perfect. But anyway, uh, Angel Pagan hit 15 triples, uh, which is a San Francisco Giants record led the national league in triples in 2012. Uh, interestingly enough, prior to that season, Pagan was traded from the Mets to the Giants for outfielder Andres Torres and pitcher Ramon Ramirez.
1: Remember all those guys. I remember all those yeah. guys. Right. Angel, what a good giant. I mean, 2006. Excellent giant. Oh, my goodness. Why can't we have a center fielder like that? No offense, Yaz, but jeez.
0: <laughs> and, you know, he's, uh... He he you know he will be a forever giant and uh there's you know I was just perusing through trying to figure out today's quiz and I saw that he led the national league in triples and I thought that deserves a shout out go angel
1: you know the problem with Brian Sabian was he never got the guys we needed
0: Yeah <laughs> yeah yep, yeah well now he's going to do you know help out the Yankees in that respect so
1: <sighs>
0: All right Ben well we're running up against the hour uh, Bob Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find us? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And Mastodon, and Mastodon at Giant Cocktails. Follow us uh, there, where we put up our recipes. Uh, have a little banter back and forth. I'll be honest; it's been a little slow lately because there really hasn't a whole lot to talk about. But follow us anyway. You can get updates on when we post and uh, all of our recipes uh, there. And you know, uh, lately I've been getting some DMs from listeners in Twitter, which is fun. I love interacting with our listeners. Uh, shout out to Bob, who uh, not not our Bob, but Bob, the listener, who uh, was asking about FanFest, uh, which is free, by the way, if you were hoping, to, if you are planning on attending yes. FanFest on Saturday. So
1: it's okay to go to FanFest because they don't make money off of that, folks. Just don't let them suck you into the clubhouse store, into the dugout store, and get you to buy some, you know, Hanniger <laughs> or Conforto or Joe Ross jerseys, Right. Right. If yeah, you're mad stay- about the off season, stay out of the dugout store. Right. If you That's think right. zaidi is a dark wizard who has figured out all of these things that we just talked about in this episode, by all means, buy all the by all the merch. But if you disagree. <laughs> don't go into the dugout store. The fest is free. The dugout store merch is not.
0: That's right. And so we will not be there on Saturday. I think we were thinking about going, but, you know, we got other stuff to do. And uh, yeah, <laughs> we got, got better I got things t- to do. I I have track practice. Yeah, I'm a track coach. You're on a track team, Matthew? Uh, yeah, no, I was once upon a time. Yeah, but uh, now I just coach and stand on the sidelines with a stopwatch. So it's a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to wrap this up, uh, Ben. It was nice chatting with you uh, until next week. Cheers, my friend.
1: Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye,
0: everybody. Ride that monkey.
1: Ride that monkey. Hut, 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 hut.
0: Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up.